So it is that life to the full that overflows like that harvest of cornucopia. Because I lived in my life for so many years with that victim mentality where we go through really hard things, truly. Job loss, infertilities, losing loved family members, going through cancer. There is a lot of battle. There is a lot of war in her life. And it is easy to just stay a victim. But that is not the life that Christ calls believers to. And with Bountiful Living, I want to draw people to Christ. Welcome to the Holy Well Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Hodges. Join us for weekly faith-based conversations on holistic health to uncover practical tips for how to thrive and apply biblical wisdom to our busy modern lives. From fitness to food to fasting, we're here to discover what it means to have a healthy spirit, soul, and body. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Welcome to the Holy Well Journey Podcast. I have my good friend, Katie Lewis, with me here that I have known for well over a decade. Our oldest children are actually about the same age. And back in the day, we did some mommy and me Bible studies and play groups where we would just kind of lay the kids down on the blankets and have some good mommy conversation back when we really needed it. And so I'm so grateful that you've come to talk with us today. And this conversation is going to be about Katie's ministry, Bountiful Living, and everything that that means. But we're also going to talk about fasting as well. So welcome, Katie. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you so much. This is such a privilege. I am loving that we get to do this today. Yay. Well, can you give everybody a little bit of an overview of just where you are in life right now as far as family and ministry and just the season of life that you're in? So I have been married this year 20 years, guys. <laughs> I think it's on fast. <laughs> People say it does. It really, truly does. So we're celebrating 20 years of marriage this year. We have two miracle babies. And I say that because I haven't shared a ton about this on the podcast, but I want to say to anyone who's out there and struggling, we did go through nine years of infertility and a lot of miscarriages, but God was so faithful as he is. And I have two daughters, two little miracle babies. We live in Central Texas, and I get to be a stay-at-home mom, which is such a privilege. And I endeavor all the time to put God first, my family first. I have to keep in every season reminding myself of those priorities because sometimes it can be hard when like the pressures of life come in or just home renovations, which is something we just finished. I had no idea how all-consuming that could be. I've been writing on scrap paper for about 10 years, um, going through kind of the years you and I spent so much time together, jotting down things at the park, little ideas that God was giving me, and I had no idea He was growing something in me. And so now at this particular season of my life, I am able to share a lot of the stuff that I've been writing for a very long time. And I started this podcast, and instead of doing a traditional publishing I have the podcast, and so I'm putting out new episodes all the time on just things God is sharing me about life and who He is and trying to draw people to Him. Yeah, and when you say podcast, you're talking about your Bountiful Living podcast. Yes. Right? So it's called Bountiful Living, and we'll leave a link to that below. But tell us more about why, where did that name Bountiful Living come from? It started back in 2009. I'll try to not take too long with this. 
But take it. <laughs> you know how it can be starting a business, and you got to have a website. You have to be able to have something that not ever someone else had taken. And it was actually, oh, this is ironic. So it actually happened during the Thanksgiving season. So that's the time it is right now. I don't know when people will listen to this episode, but it is the Thanksgiving season right now. And I was just thinking of all of the bounty and the cornucopia of harvest and the blessings that God has for us. And of course, the abundant life, we hear that all the time. And that's actually the scripture of where this comes from, from John 10, 10, the Lord gave me that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ has come for us to have life and have it to the full. And some versions call it abundant life, and that is so done in Christian, like it's everywhere. We hear it all the time. And so I started looking at what other things could this word mean that would be different, that would be set apart, but the same. And that is that bountiful life in Christ. It is that life to the full that overflows like that harvest of cornucopia because I lived in my life for so many years with that victim mentality where we go through really hard things, truly. Job loss, infertilities, losing loved family members, going through cancer. There is a lot of battle. There is a lot of war in her life. And it is easy to just stay a victim. But that is not the life that Christ calls believers too. He calls us to life. That's the life the enemy wants for us. He wants to see us defeated. He wants to see us destroyed and us to not have peace, us to not have security. And with Bountiful Living, I want to draw people to Christ. He is our salvation, not only with the eternal life that we have in Him, that we will someday reign with Him forever, but life in the here and now like how do we have this bountiful life he is our he is our daily bread he is our living water he sustains he sustains us in the storm he gives hope to the hopeless he binds up the wounds of the brokenhearted and he is our peace when the anxiety of life overwhelms us he is our life And so that's what I want to share on the Bountiful Living podcast is Christ is our life. That is so awesome. And I I hear what you're saying is sometimes we hear a scripture so many times that it gets a little bit stripped of its meaning, or we think we know what that means already. Uh, When so many scriptures, they're so deep, the more we meditate on them and, and think about them, think about what they're actually telling us. And so can you tell us a little bit more about what you said about going from the victim mindset and what God showed you in that to where you are now? I have been a Christian, just to share a bit of my testimony, I've been a believer before I even, you know, knew what it, like it's so long ago, I don't have the actual memory of asking Christ to be Lord of my life. I do, however, remember how almost every Sunday I would come forward to the altar and pray and ask Jesus. I would ask Mm -hmm. him into my heart over and over again. And there was a time when I learned that that I didn't have to keep doing that, that he is my savior. It's a free gift. (laughs) Can't be taken away. And as I journeyed through life and the toils kind of just were heaping on me and I was just in a state of grief and depression, I was burned out. 
And although I was showing up at church, I did not have a relationship with God. And I was actually sitting in an Easter service where the pastor said, how do you live your dash? And that dash is the tiny little thing on your tombstone between the day you're born and the day that you die. And I realized I'm not doing much of a living. (laughs) I'm doing a lot of wasting. I am not redeeming the time. I am not um, living life to its fullest. I'm not doing what God has put us here to do. And I was convicted. I looked at my husband just like right there in the service and I said, I have to quit my job. And, he, and I had like a full-time salary job that God was calling me to quit, which he had a job as well. So what, and I did go on to working, just not at that specific job. So, you know, I, what happened with me is drastic. I'm not saying that this may be what God says to every person in this kind of situation. But for me, I needed a total life change. I needed to get out of the place where I was into a new place. And I almost look at it now as going back, like I was kind of like the children of Israel in the desert. And God was wanting to put me in the promised land, but I wanted to stay there and complain. You know, mm-hmm. I've related so much to those stories. And so in that service is when I first got the idea for Bountiful Living. And I changed my life from that moment forward to something completely different. And it was something so good because God had ordained all of that in that season of my life. Yeah. And it's like that saying that you can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. You can't hold both of those things in your hands simultaneously. Um, So at some point you have to decide. But, you know, usually that's not a one-time decision. And then from that point, everything is better. And so how did you find yourself along the way when you would find yourself flipping back into those old mindsets? What was it that helped you to make that change step by step? So this is something I'm not sure I've ever shared on the podcast, maybe briefly, but I thought I had been through the worst. (laughs) And I had a year when my daughter was in first grade, and I probably blocked what year that was from my mind. But we literally had had six people pass away, including my husband's father and my brother in that season. I have never known grief like that. On top of all of that, my daughter broke her arm. I had my final miscarriage and lost our son, which was followed by a car accident that took me six months to recover from. And I got the flu (laughs) in in that like six months of my life. I really thought I was going to die, not in a suicidal way, but so much had happened to me. I was like, I literally played the book of Job on my audio Bible because I couldn't speak. I, I was in so much pain physically, emotionally, and in every way. And I couldn't take care of my children, my right arm. I, I have ch- children with food allergies. And so I had to hire people to come over to just prep food for the family because I could use my left hand and kind of clunk around a bit. But it was like I was, that was a job season. That was bottom of the barrel. How I don't know how life could be worse than this season. And I just turned to God and he was so faithful. And I, uh, he brought me out of all of that. He healed my body um, from the injuries that I sustained And I look back on that season and think, why did I go through that, God? It did teach me so much about him in that season and his faithfulness. It also has equipped me 
that when I'm ministering to other people, I can say in truth, I've been there. I know what that's like. And I can have empathy for people going through really tough things and hopefully bring them to Christ and minister to them because he be- He became my hope. He uh, calmed those anxieties. He healed me. He restored me. And so that's something that I just continue to go back to is his word. I would say his word and prayer and biblical community bring me back in those dark times. I love what you said about praying the audio Bible, because I think we're so used to trying to do things to help ourselves and take action. But sometimes we have those moments where we can't get out of bed. Yeah, we can't get out of bed. we cannot. Or we can't pray for ourselves. And those are times where if you have friends to pray over you, or you can seek that out somewhere, or you uh, pray worship music, audio Bible, and just receive it. Not feeling mm-hmm. like you have to do anything in those moments, but just really allowing yourself to be ministered to. And so a lot of times we get into a place where we feel like we have to be the ones always ministering or always doing for God. But there are those moments in our lives where we just have to have a complete surrender. And it sounds like that was certainly the case in that season for you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry that you had to go through all that. That sounds unbelievably tough. Any one of those things on its own. It was different. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when you think back on that and, you know, our holy well journey is a very similar idea to the bountiful living. It's about what does this picture of wholeness look like? And wholeness is not always perfection. Sometimes it's taking all of these different broken parts and putting them back together and offering them to God and seeing what he does with that. But when it comes to your holistic wellness, for you personally, for your body, soul, and spirit, what does that mean to you? I think we are broken. I mean, you said that, and I was like, that's the word, broken. We are. We come. We arrive broken. Mm-hmm. And we need God. We need Him to, to mend, to bind us up. And His salvation, that's the first step of making Him Lord of our lives, realizing that it's really not about us. We're dying to that flesh. And body, soul, and spirit, there's a really good YouTube video by Andrew Womack that you can link if you'd like, but it really gives a good description about what those three separate entities are. Like our body is, of course, that thing that we're born with that that grows, that we have to feed because it gets hungry, and that people see on the outside, but it's not all of us. We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our spirit That's the part that stays forever, that communes with God. And the way that he describes it, because I don't have a total understanding of all of it, but the way that he describes it is that he says that it is that peace of God that like when we look into a mirror physically, like we wake up, we're brushing our teeth or putting on our makeup, we look at the mirror, we see ourselves, we see our reflection. The word of God is how we build our spirit, praying and worshiping, that is how we build our spirit. And all of those parts, like salvation would obviously be a first step of making sure we take care of all of that because God will show us how to live. He will show us the way to live through his word. And it's there. It's not spelled out with all the answers like we want it to be, but it's there in his word. Well, and something that you alluded to was that you have daughters with food allergies. And I know that that has been a big part of your life. Can you tell people a little bit about 
what that has been like and what it has taught you? So I didn't realize this. <laughs> I grew up with the whole like 80s bad, you know, when we were young, not we did not have the best health information. We thought we did. Like they say, don't eat eggs and don't eat fat. Wrong, right? A lot of the stuff we were taught as kids was just misinformation. So I grew up with a bit of a skewed view on true health and also the like fitness craze that went on as well with that and a lot of like body image stuff. And so I struggled with that for a lot of my life with um, staying, taking care of my body properly, we'll say. And when the food allergies came, and fasting is kind of different because I've fasted many times over the years in different ways. But specifically, to answer your question about food allergies, I had to die to my flesh in a way that you couldn't cheat. Because, for example, when I was nursing my youngest, if I had even a, a bite of cake, she would have a reaction. And so I, it, it was like the diet you can't cheat on for two solid years. It, and it took extreme discipline and extreme sacrifice. I cried a lot. It was hard. But for her, I could do it. I couldn't do it for myself, but I could do it for her because I knew that it meant life for her and nutrition for her. And as we've gone on the journey, it has continued to teach me discipline and to kind of take food and put it down to its rightful place of nutrition and not be something that I worship and just dream about and, you know, stuff that it shouldn't be. It was in a wrong place in my life. And so it was had way too much power, real close to God. I loved it too much. So I don't think that's what necessarily God did, but he does allow those things to, um, in our life, those hardships to bring us closer to him. Yeah. And it, if we'll turn to him, it does allow us to learn something and for him to show us something new. Yeah. And I think so many of us are in that same boat where when you're thinking about the holiday coming up or the birthday party, you're excited about grandma's cake or whatever oh, yeah. food that it is. And it, you would feel like if you go into that birthday party, you can't not eat the cake. It, you're going to miss out on something so big or um, there's sometimes just this scarcity around food where it's yeah, like, no, scarcity. I have to eat that good <laughs> thing because if I don't, you know, I'll miss out on this opportunity. But what you found in giving that up was maybe some of those foods weren't really giving you as much pleasure as you thought and that saying no to them didn't cause as much of a negative fallout as you thought. We Could found to that. I would. And we actually found a surprising, beautiful community. It surprises some people when I say we don't really eat out. There's maybe three restaurants that are safe in the entire city. We live in Austin, you know, near Austin. It's huge. <laughs> and there's three places that wouldn't harm my child. They have One of them has a dairy and egg allergy. But those places, um, they've said stuff to me like, every year we look forward to making the birthday cake for your daughter and they, when we walk in the door, they greet us with open arms. They give us free plants. They've taught us how to garden. You know, it has become a life where there was death. So it, God has done something really cool with that, with that hardship. 
And I know that's something that more and more parents can relate to now with just the prevalence of food allergies. And it's tough when it's yourself, but it's also tough when it's anyone in your family, especially your child, because it does affect the entire family. So going back to just that idea that we touched on of the holistic wellness and the body and the soul and the spirit, what do you think in the in the big picture of life, what is your greatest challenge in staying healthy and staying in balance in those areas? I definitely do better with um, the soul than the body, surprisingly. I often neglect exercise and don't take time for self-care. I'm really terrible about the self-care. I have to almost schedule it. <laughs> but um, those are some areas of struggle for me. Yeah. What is it about exercise that you think is a challenge? I don't know. I actually, my mom was like, she did fitness as her career. So I, I'm very educated about it and I do like it. I think I just find other things get in priority of that. So mm -hmm. that's, I think, the biggest, the biggest thing is just I get too busy probably. It's finding the time. Finding the time. Yeah. Let's shift our conversation now to talk about fasting. And fasting, I know, is something that you've done both by yourself, with the church, uh, with other groups. You participated in the January fast with the Daniel Fast Journey group that we had in this past year. And so can you go back and kind of remember what fasting was like for you when you first started? And how were you fasting and kind of what was your approach to it? What motivated you to start doing it? So the very first time was in high school. And I think I'd heard about it at church or something. And I thought, I'm going to do that. And I didn't know anything about it. And I think I did a three-day just water fast. I, my memory's fuzzy on that. However, my heart motives were wrong. I was doing it for vanity. I was doing it to lose weight. I was not doing it for God. A lot of the way that I approached fasting in the very beginning was, was religious and legalistic and by the rules, <laughs> not with the right heart motive, which is, which is typically me. Like I always have to get to the heart of things for myself. <laughs> and as when we started coming to our church here is when the next time I kind of picked it back up and our pastor was really great at teaching us what it is and what is not. And I tried it for the first time and just, I think, gave up sweets. And also took a, you know, it started really easy for the first couple of rounds. And then, of course, I've there's been times when I've gone through it through pregnancy and nursing. And I also have my own health issues where I have to, it's hard to explain what my issues are. I do have thyroid stuff, but I have to be careful about what I eat. I can't do some of the things that other people do in this particular season of my life. I don't, I've not tried to do the three-day fast with just water or any kind of just water fast, but I'd like to sometime maybe. So yeah, that's kind of how it has started. Just love to hear also about what different types of fasts you have done over the years? Because I know you mentioned in the beginning you were legalistic about the way that you were doing it. And then over the years, as you've walked through different seasons of life, like what are some of the different types of fasts that you've done? I did go through the Daniel Fast journey after getting your book, which I loved, by the way. 
and gave me lots of knowledge. And I was just like, felt accomplished, which I don't know if that's even the right thing, but I was just like, I did it because it is, it takes discipline. It takes some work, some planning. I love that part about the planning that before fasting, because I think we skip that part. And it's a really important part to prepare (laughs) yourself. And so I do better about that in these recent years of letting my family know this is happening, letting, you know, close, close friends know it's happening. You know, not everybody, because we don't want to be shouting it from the rooftops, but just the people in your circle so that they know and they're not surprised. And typically, like, we have a thousand January birthdays. And so I oftentimes shift the fast to right after Christmas because I want to take time to celebrate with family. It's always very tricky. But, you know, I have shifted out of that legalistic mindset and, like, God is a God of grace. And there is, I think, strength in community fasting. Like when you're fasting with your church, it definitely is a bonding experience. And it, there's power in that because it's obedience and it's repentance. Like repentance is a big part of it. Prayer is a big part of it. Spending time, you know, it's not just about the food. There's many other components to it too. I forget if it's Isaiah 54. 58 um, probably. 50. I'm talking about the Yes. I read that every time that I fast because I want to do it God's way, not mine. I have to keep doing that. Like, God's way, not my way, God's way. And so with with that spiritual part of it, you mentioned prayer and some other things. Do you notice a difference just in your spiritual life when you're fasting? And what what is that? So I will say and not to give this Sunday school answer, but just with what I do with Bountiful Living, I do spend a lot of time in God's Word. When we did the January fast, I was, I had so much going on in that particular season that my time with God was not what it typically is. And so I had to just relent to the season. And I appreciated your encouragement about that because I still endeavored to give God every moment of my day, even in my work. So I think that's that was the hard, like a hard, tricky part for me that was different and new because I did have some responsibilities with, and I can't remember what they all were, but I do remember that I, I grieved a bit, that I didn't have as much time as I wanted for the prayer, for the, for the reading of the word. I will say God is always faithful when we make those sacrifices. And at the end and other side of it, it's not always happy. You don't always get that revelation or that answer. And I'm not always praying for answers. There was one time I did a fast and all I did was say, God, this is about you. And that, you know, I didn't bring him anything. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask for anything. It didn't come with any request. I just worshiped him. And so I have definitely done fasting differently over the years. That's awesome. I I love that. What you said about coming to the Lord and fasting just to worship him not waiting until sometimes sometimes we all have the tendency to do that because fasting is uncomfortable it's not something that we necessarily want to just do all the time so we wait until we have something we really need and then we're like okay i really this is a really serious prayer request i'm going to fast uh, but there are examples in the bible like anna that the prophetess in luke 2 that says she was just in the temple worshiping god day and night with fastings and prayers and so to do that at some point i think is a really useful exercise And what you're saying, I think, goes back to that idea of surrender. 
yeah. you know, with, with our fast. And sometimes we have such high idealistic hopes of it's going to look exactly like this. And I'm going to be there an hour every morning. And then I'm going to oh, play yeah. again at lunch. And, and, you know, we have these really high hopes and then it doesn't go as we want. And nope. so we have to make that choice. Like, am I going to surrender and trust God with this? Or am I going to say, oh, no, that wasn't right. I'm going to just stop this fast and I'm going to start over again when I can have that, you know, perfect time with no birthdays and, you know, no interruptions and this and that. Well, we all know that time's not coming. (laughs) We're not going to find that perfect time. (laughs) No. I think such a big part of fasting is about the humility and the surrender. Because no matter what happens, we can't, we can't control everything about our environment and our circumstances. And so then when those things come up, it just really is an opportunity for us to surrender and trust God with even what we're trying to, we feel like we're sometimes we're trying to do for him or give to him. And he says, actually, I'm good. I still got it. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> sovereign over all of the situation. So when it comes to someone and I know we have listeners and people who read the blog and such that they're pretty brand new to fasting and it's not something they've ever done before. It's something they've only heard about. And what advice would you give to someone who's in that place where they're new to fasting? I would say try it and I'd say start small. You don't have to do something elaborate, something legalistic, something you heard someone else is doing. Like, you know, specifically with our unique family, I struggle every time with giving myself grace because I can't do it the way necessarily other people do because I already make different meals, almost every meal for everyone in the family because they have different restrictions. And so to add a fourth option to myself, sometimes I've said, okay, I'm just doing this, you know, and I am like, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I surrender to that. And or, there have been times when God does tell us he's like when he's dealing with the disciples, when they're not able to cast, I don't know if it's a healing or casting out, but they're like, this only comes about with prayer and fasting. And so there are times when you're faced with something and you may hear God say, you know, fast, or, you know, like this is such a big deal. You need to follow through in this discipline and obey what, you know, this suggestion from Jesus himself. And it doesn't have to be a 20-day thing, a 10-day thing, a three-day thing. It could be an hour. It could be a meal. It could be you stop eating at noon and then you go and you pray and you maybe aren't having a meal with your family. You just continue to fast and pray. So I don't know. That's what I would say is just try it. Don't be afraid of it and start small. I think that's such good advice. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to wrap up here and just ask you some fun questions. And so the first one is, do you have a favorite book and or podcast that you would recommend to people? So surprisingly, I do not read a lot of fiction. <laughs> yeah, I, read, I read nonfiction. And the Bible is my favorite book, guys. It just really is. I spend a lot of time there. I love Priscilla Shire's Bible studies, all of her books, all of her Bible studies are my favorite. I love them. I would recommend any of them. If someone at your church is having one, sign up. Recently read Intercessory Prayer by Dutch Sheets, which was phenomenal. And I really like that book as well. And also Boundaries by Dr. Cloud and Townsend, which is an old one, but it's something that I really needed in my life. 
And I love how much scripture is in that book because it's a psychology book, but there's full scripture so that it's not just them saying, this is what I think, you know, they're kind of combining the word with their, with their knowledge. Yeah, I'd heard about boundaries for so many years and I just thought, oh, I, I understand the general concept. People should have boundaries. So I, I kind of felt like I didn't need to read it. Oh, I read it in, when I was about 38 years old and I just could only think I wish I had read this book sooner. It is such so an important good. book. It really is a very important book. Everyone, Everyone needs it. it. I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the last question is, if you could go back and give advice to your 25-year-old self, what would you tell her? So I would find Jesus and hold on, for starters. And then secondly, this is why I started the Battle for Living podcast, because I want to save other people from some of my mistakes and bring people to Jesus sooner than I than I came. I mean, I feel like I wasted eight to 10 years of my life, honestly, like not accomplishing much. And I do this to follow what it says in Titus 2, 4 through 8. Older women should teach younger women so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, love their children, be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Man, that's so good. And Katie, thank you for everything that you shared. And your ministry is amazing. It's, it's a very hopeful message that we need to hear. And you have been through a lot in your life. You have a ton of wisdom to share. And so be sure to check out the Bountiful Living podcast, and we'll leave a link to that below. Thanks so much. Have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Holy Well Journey podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and you can also head over to holywelljourney.com to check out the show notes and the whole podcast library. That's also where you'll find information about our health and wellness coaching, which you can participate in online from wherever you are in the world. Just a reminder and disclaimer that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Please be sure to consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or exercise plan or starting to fast. If you're interested in more information about fasting and spiritual disciplines, check out danielfastjourney.com. Thanks for joining us on this journey to becoming holy well.